From 1989 to 1993, I was a key holder for a local family-owned bakery located in a sketchy neighborhood in my hometown. My job called for me to arrive at 2 a.m. by myself, get the ovens and machinery started, and get the first batch of dough mixing. The initial mix needed to proof for about 30 minutes before I could start feeding it through the scowler, so I'd be able to relax during this half hour. I would generally sit in the front room of the bakery, which was where we always kept pallets of flour, stacked one or two high, a few unused machines, and a long-winded bench along the wall. This room, which was about 35 feet by 35 feet, was lit only by whatever light was coming through the door, leading to the bakery proper, as well as the illumination of the streetlights, which spilled in via the front door windows. This meant only about one quarter of the room, the quarter with the long bench of the wall, had any light. The remainder of the room quietly faded into darkness. The feeling hit me within one or two minutes of sitting down. I was being watched. I knew I was being watched. Those of you who have ever had this feeling know how palpable this is. Because of the hour in the neighborhood, I religiously locked the front door behind me upon arrival, so I knew someone couldn't have entered the room and hidden there while I was occupied in the bakery. After stewing in my own paranoia for a few minutes, I happened to gaze in the darkened corner of the room. That's when I saw them. Two eyes, just visible through the blackness, looking directly at me. I shot to my feet, my heart pounding. The eyes disappeared with a clatter, as whoever, or whatever this was, has jarred something in its attempt to remain concealed. I stood motionless for a moment, and then I heard footsteps, but clearly not human footfalls. They were soft, being produced by something that had more than two legs and weighed a whole lot less. Something passing through the lighted area of the room caught my attention, and then I swiveled my head to get a look. It was a possum. Not sure which one of us was more shaken up at this point, but I either grabbed the broom or a piece of wood, the memory's a bit hazy here, and armed myself, hoping that I wouldn't have to fight off this rabid animal. The creature scurried under a wooden incline which led to our freezers, an area I couldn't readily access. I banged on the incline several times, getting no response. After a few minutes without any traces of activity, I called it a draw and got back to baking. Later that day, a dead possum turned up in our parking area. Its neck had been torn out. If I had to guess, I'd say it messed with the wrong neighborhood dog. In any event, we never found out exactly how that stealthy possum accessed our flower area, and there was never another incident of that sort. So I work at a retail store as a cashier, and a few weeks ago I had an older couple, late 30s, early 40s, come in. It was around 9.40pm and the store was practically empty. This lady comes up to me to exchange an item, and in the middle of the transaction, a dude comes up and stands next to her. He also has an exchange that I have to call my manager to approve. She approves it and leaves. While I'm exchanging what they bought, the lady says, Your eyelashes are really pretty. I wear big falsies. I thank her because it's pretty chill and nice, you know. But then the dude follows up with, Yeah, isn't she pretty too? And she agrees. I'm a little weirded out by it, but I thank them again. The man asks, So when do you get off work? Even if it was just sarcastic and a weird version of a compliment, 
What are you supposed to say to that? I just asked him if he had a rewards card, and he chuckles and makes another comment about me not answering his question. I ignore him and tell him his total. When they leave, I'm low-key freaking out. I was scheduled to get off at 10, and our parking lot is mad sketch. It's huge, with one light in the middle of the lot. Now, I park under the light because that's the safest, but it's a terrifying long walk to it. We also have zero cameras. The only co-worker at the registers was too far to hear the exchange, and no other customers were around. Now I'm debating asking my manager for someone to walk me out. I'm female, 17, but I've always told myself that I'd never be at risk at being attacked, as I'm 5'11 and 245 pounds with linebacker shoulders. I also frequently got confused for a 20-something year old. Just adding onto the idea in my head that I'm too threatening to try. But sitting at the register thinking, I realized just because the man was 5'8 and the girlfriend was 5'4 doesn't mean they don't know a 6'2 bitch or a few other bitches to face me. I broke and walking to my manager to come see me and I explained to her what happened. At first I just told her the guy was being weird because I thought she would believe me more. But then she informed me she had helped them in the store and the girl referred to the guy as her boyfriend. I then told her how she was also being weird and she agreed to walk me out. At the end of my shift I had a mini panic attack in the break room and my manager plus one of the coworkers walked me to my car. Painfully awkward because I felt so dumb as no one was out there. Okay so for a little bit of background. I used to work at a drive-up cafe shop that sells coffee and snacks like bagels and muffins. I live in a relatively small town and I never had anything happen like this before, so I was pretty shaken up. So it was a Sunday night and I was closing all by myself for the first time ever, being a new hire. And it was getting kind of late and virtually no one was coming through, so I just did some closing activities like sweeping and mopping. This is important because we store the mop and the broom in a separate room that can only be accessed by going outside and unlocking the room with a key. So I had the employee entrance unlocked since I was going in and out. It was starting to get dark and I'm due to leave in about an hour when this old Ford drives up. The driver was an older man, maybe 40s or so. I wasn't too phased by it because a lot of people work on the oil rigs in my town. And if they're on the night shift, they'll stop by for a pick-me-up before making the three-hour drive out to the rigs. I opened my window, asked him what he'd like to order. This is where it gets weird. He didn't order any coffee or food. No. He asked me, Are you working alone? I most certainly was working alone, and even both of my managers were no longer in the neighboring pawn shop that they also owned, and this just makes my blood run cold. Thankfully, I'm smart enough to lie with a response. Oh no, my coworker will be back in a second and my manager is coming here in about 5 minutes. He needs to take inventory. At this point, the man looks past me into the shop, directly at the cracked door behind me, and gives me a really creepy smile before pulling forward and signaling to turn down the road that goes right next to the open door. As soon as he could no longer see me, I jump over, slam the door shut, and lock the doorknob and the deadbolt. I was worried to leave the building that night because I didn't want to walk across a parking lot to my car. I thought he might be lingering around the area, waiting for me to get off work. I'm really glad that I never told him that I was working by myself, 
That was the creepiest encounter I've ever had at work. I live in Lalana. About a month ago, a woman was walking her dog at a nearby park and was stabbed and mutilated along with her pit bull. The brutality shocked the city to the core and has everyone on edge. Add that to another young woman who was followed home from the gas station after leaving work as a bartender and was kidnapped and murdered. This means we had a whole bunch of scared women in the city. Anyway, I worked very close to the park where the woman and the dog were killed and I've been extra careful since it happened. Last night I was working alone and I had scheduled a new client for a 5pm appointment thinking I'd be done around 7, 7.15 at the latest. However, she needed some extra work done so it wasn't until after 8.30 by the time I walked her outside to her car. We stood talking in the parking lot for a couple minutes before she got into her car. Here I should add that the parking lot is small and fairly secluded because of a large hedgerow and a retaining wall. After I made sure she was safely in her car, I went back into the salon and locked the door behind me with the intention of cleaning up and locking up. I was inside for maybe less than 10 seconds before I turned around and saw a man pulling on the door. There had been no one in the parking lot that I could see and there were no other cars other than mine and my clients. The guy appeared out of nowhere. As I said, I'm already on edge so I just stood there for a second, not sure what to do. He stood there staring at me with his hand still on the door handle. Finally, I walked up to the door. It's a glass door so I could see him and he could see me. I said, what's up? I could see that he was surprised that I didn't just unlock the door and open it for him. And he stuttered a couple times before pointing out the hair product on the wall, saying, uh, oh, I just wanted to buy some of that makeup over there. This is when I noticed, one, he's got a pretty good black eye, two, he was wearing a fairly large surgical mask outside alone, which made me think he was trying to hide his identity. I told him that's not even makeup, that's hair products because this is a hair salon and we're closed. Then I turned off all the lights in the front of the salon and walked towards the back wall to hit those lights as well. Once I had all the lights out, I could see him, but he could no longer see me. I watched him because I didn't want to go out right after that. He ended up pacing back and forth at the front door for a couple minutes and then walked to the upper part of the parking lot above the retaining wall and stood there, half behind the tree and bush. He would stare at the salon door, then crouch down, then walk away all nonchalant, then come back to his hiding spot and stare at the door again. After watching him do this three or four times, I decided the next time he walked by, I would make a run for my car. As soon as he turned his back and started walking towards the direction of the park, I ran out, locked the door, and sprinted the 20 feet to my car in a full-on panic. Thank God for keyless entry. I had no idea what he was up to, or if he was really a serial killer. Probably not. Probably just someone trying to rob me. But what I do know is he definitely saw me in the parking lot talking to my client and I did not see him. I also know that if I hadn't locked the door, I would have had a much different night. There's no question in my mind that he was going to harm me in some way. As a side note, lots of people have asked me if he may have been homeless, and I absolutely don't think so. He was well dressed, his head was bicked, and while he definitely scared the crap out of me, he did not give off the desperate vibe that a lot of the homeless, mentally ill, addictive people I've encountered in the past do. 
Those people don't really scare me, mostly because I feel sad for them and try to help them in some way. The guy had every alarm in my body screaming at full volume. If you're coming to the A right now, maybe don't. To give context, I'm a 25 year old male. I started a job at a company that makes lenses for glasses and immediately I was introduced to Nate, an awkward guy around my age that seemed like he had good intentions. He was nice enough, but I figured most people humored him when it came to talking to him. I was convinced that he was on the spectrum in the realm of Asperger's. I had a friend in the past who had it and I didn't really mind. Besides, we seemed to like the same things including Dungeons and Dragons. My D&D group was very small and we wanted more people and knowing that he was into D&D, I invited him to come join. My now wife, then fiance, immediately grew uncomfortable when he came into our home to make his character and when it came to actually playing sessions, another girl at the table also expressed that she felt uncomfortable. I didn't feel great about it, so after three or four sessions, we kicked him out and continued playing but I still had to see him at work, which led to him always being sad around me, but I wasn't going to give in. Eventually, I kept telling him that I was starting up another group and that he could join one, yada yada yada. His pity party was starting to annoy me, so I said whatever to keep him at bay. One day at work, he had the day off and the following weekend. Not me or my coworkers saw this as strange, but then when Monday came, he didn't show up. Tuesday, no show. This is very unlike him, because he was practically a teacher's pet. Soon one of my co-workers was moving around the warehouse with a phone in her hand, stopping people and sharing the news. Nate had been arrested in North Dakota as he attempted to meet an underage girl for sex. We were all in disbelief because that's the first feeling that hits you. You don't want to believe that someone like that could live in your town, but worse, work right beside you. Indeed, he was in contact with a minor over the internet and is said to meet up in a park with the intentions of having sex. The police were tipped off as a teacher happened to see one of the messages on the girl's phone. I nearly peeked when I heard the news. He was in my home and made comments about my kids being so cute, especially my daughter, which definitely made me more sick. He would talk to me sometimes about wanting a girlfriend and that he was just waiting for the right one to come along. Someone in his church group and now scares me to think about how old this girl was. One of my best friends at work mentioned that he went to install the washer and dryer at Nate's house, and when he was looking around, he was yelled at by Nate not to go upstairs. Not in a, oh, that's my room, and I prefer no one to go up there type of vibe. More like, there's something up there, and I don't want you to see it type of vibe. He was arrested and is in prison, and remains there to this day. Just to show you that you can't really know everybody, and that's what's truly scary. Hello, I'm a woman, and basically that's all you need to know to understand how something like this could happen. In 2017, a guy wrote me on Facebook. He told me that he used to go to the same swimming class. He told me a story about how we met, and I didn't remember the story, but not the guy told me how he looks now, but he had no pictures, so I didn't know. He gave me the most basic feature, brown hair, not muscular, but not thin or fat, brown eyes, relatively tall. This literally could have been anyone in my country. 
I told him I remember the story and I didn't think much of it. He told me about a girl he was going to class with and I told him I know her. That was basically our first convo. I tend to barely reply when I'm not interested to let them down easy. He wrote me half a year later that he saw my speech on YouTube. He asked a few things about it. I answered as little as possible and he stopped texting again. Then for a whole year, nothing, and I forgot about it. He wrote me in late 2018, asking, Did I see you in the supermarket today? I was a bit creeped out because I did go to the supermarket. So I lied and said, No, I wasn't there today. So three years later, he wrote me, I randomly thought of you today. Hi. I said hi. How are you? I'm fine, working. I was actually ending work, but yeah. Oh, as of right now, or just in general? Both. Cool. And what's up with school? I'm in uni. Wow, which? I didn't tell him the city, or which specific training, but it's on my Facebook. Wow, cool. You like it? Yeah, my boyfriend lives nearby, so it makes it easy. This was my way of forcefully letting him know that I was dating. He casually chatted a bit more, then he stopped again. I thought I was done for another four years. He didn't bother me, more like annoyed me. I gave him clear signs of no, and I didn't think he wouldn't understand. Well, he didn't. Today I'm at work, and thank God I work with tons of people, and my boyfriend was there too. I suddenly see a guy around my age, just standing at the fence watching me. At first I think nothing of it, but he stares at me for 40 minutes. I'm finally done with my class and go up to my boyfriend and guy friend, telling them both that I think it's the same guy that has been texting me. They say it probably isn't, but then we all see him changing positions outside the fence so that he can see me better. There was a bush in the way. He got in his car after an hour staring. He left the doors open and kept sitting in his car for another half hour. My boyfriend said that he would park right next to the gate when I'm done so he can't approach me. Luckily, he left before we finished but I'm terrified to think that he would be following me, even though I don't remember him too well. I'm a 20-year-old female that works at a home improvement store. My coworker, who also happens to be my team lead, is a mother of two children and married. This is important and comes into play later on. We were in the self-checkout area. She's fixing one of the registers. The register she was working on put her with her back facing towards the customers. Nothing weird happened at first, and I was doing my normal rounds. Then this old dude comes up to the register I had just cleaned, so I greeted him, and he did the same. This guy must have been in his 50s. He started scanning his stuff, and I noticed one of his items had a security tag on it, so I went to grab the magnet. As I'm walking towards him, I casually mentioned that I have to take the tag off, and he doesn't really say anything and just nods. I start striking up a conversation with him. The guy is answering, but he's not looking directly at me. His eyes are fixed behind me. I thought the guy was just zoning out. When he sees that I notice, he quickly looks at me and continues the conversation, but it's pretty obvious that he's forcing it. Anyway, I took the magnet off and went to return it. I come back around to do my rounds when I noticed the same guy was still there and that he had changed the way he was facing. He was folding the receipt, but I could see his eyes were staring at something in front. It didn't hit me at first until I turned to see what he was looking at. 
He was staring at my team lead. Well, more specifically, a certain part of her. She was bent down to lock up the register. I felt my stomach drop and suddenly had the urge to throw up. I turned my back to the guy and noticed he had pulled out his phone. Before he had a chance to do anything, I walked up to him and asked him if he needed help with anything. In a low voice, he says, Yeah, can you help me get a piece of that beauty over there? Without thinking much, I said, I'm sure her husband thinks she's beautiful as well. After that, he stares at me blankly and says, He doesn't have to know. With this predatory look in his eyes. By this point, I'm not even disgusted anymore, just livid. In a loud voice, I say, Thank you for shopping with us. Have a great day. At the sudden raise of my voice, a few people turned around, and that was enough for him to take off in a hurry. My team lead hugged me after I told her what happened. So creepy checkout, dude. I hope we never see you again. Years ago, I worked at a natural food store. I started there within a year of graduating from my first college and was trying to get a handle on working a regular job and paying for my own apartment by myself. Working in the store was alright, and it became better as I was allowed to work in the grocery department, which gave me more freedom to move around the store and a wider variety of tasks to perform. Periodically through the day, I would circulate through the stock room to check on a receiver to see if there was any new stock to put away. At times, independent local vendor representatives would drive up to the loading dock and bring the products that we ordered and needed to check in. For some reason, I crossed paths with one of the vendor reps from a local bakery, and anytime he was in the building, his attention would snap onto me. At first, I thought nothing of it. He usually was giving out prepackaged samples of new products to hand out in the store, and he would usually give me a couple even though I had no authority to order things. I just thought, Oh cool, free snacks. In case anyone has alarm bells going off because I was getting food from a stranger, this was a trusted vendor that had been at the store for years and years and the baked goods samples were packaged where they were made. So they were the same safety and quality as if you had gone to the store and bought the full size products. I had no reason to be afraid. So it continued off and on for a couple months. Eventually, the guy started asking me seemingly innocuous questions that were dispersed far enough apart that my naive brain didn't feel the need to put up my guard. He asked me things about like what car I drove and did I like it. He would cover up for his questions by adding extra explanations, such as he was thinking about getting a used car and was asking around for information. I told him I didn't have a car, which was true. I lived a few blocks away from the store at the time. After that, the guy wrote his number and first name on a piece of paper telling me I could call him if I ever needed a ride anywhere. I still didn't get it and thanked him politely, though I knew I would never take him up on that. Anywhere I needed to go, I could get there on a combination of buses and walking. I was very independent and didn't like to feel like I was inconveniencing anyone. One day I came to work as usual and went through the stock room. On the way to the time clock to punch in, the receiver rushed over and snatched me into a tight hug telling me that she was so glad that I was okay. I thought she was just being funny, so I asked her what for. She told me that the former vendor rep, who seemed to be enamored with me, had gotten a girl to get into his car with him. Then he drove to her apartment, attacked her, assaulted her, beat her bloody, 
then set her apartment on fire, fleeing the scene. Luckily, the woman that was attacked was able to escape the burning building by climbing through a window. I became much more wary of acquaintances after that. I feel really fortunate to have never put my trust in this guy and gone anywhere with him. You never know with some people. I was a store manager of a nationwide mall computer gaming store. This is long before GameStop and cell phones. We were located on the left side facing the middle of the mall with JCPenney's to the left at the end. This detail plays into what happened. My ex-wife is a strikingly beautiful Latina woman. She was only 20 and my daughter was one and a half at the time. Unfortunately, fortunately for us, we had very beautiful babies. They almost looked like dolls. The reason why I say this is because my daughter attracted too much attention as a baby. We stopped going out in public because people were constantly approaching us and trying to touch her. It's a Sunday and I would work the whole day since it was a short day. The three of us would go to work and my ex-wife would dress her daughter up and herself to make a day of it. She liked to shop and wander for the day and come back to have lunch. Being a manager, I took long breaks as well. Everything is going fine, like any other Sunday. I go and give her some money, and my spidey street senses start going crazy. I look to my left and see a man intently looking at my wife and our daughter. I meet his gaze, and he doesn't look away. We had a huge wedding, 200 plus guests, so I asked my wife if she knew the person that was staring at her. We both look up and he was gone. It couldn't have been more than two or three seconds since I last looked at him. There was something strange about him, I remember to this day. He was dressed in a dark gray suit and had a gray overcoat. Not to trouble her, I told her not to worry about it. We had lunch and we took the long way back to the store. We stopped by mall security. I introduced her to the security guys who had become good buddies. I pulled them aside and told them what happened. They were concerned. We both stepped into the booth and I'm telling the person working there to let me know if they see him. My ex-wife loves to shop at JCPenney's and goes shopping in the store. Before she goes in, I tell her about the man in the gray suit. She lets me know that she'll keep an eye out for him. There's a call on the store phone. An employee tells me it's the phone. And I'm like, yeah, I heard it ring. He tells me he needs some help. He pulls me aside and says, it's your wife. She sounds scared as hell. I jump onto the phone. She tells me that the man that I described had been following her for over half an hour. When he first showed up, she said he was reaching for our daughter. I immediately called security. They come up the middle with an employee standing and watch at the entrance of JCPenney. I go out the back to the parking garage, which was no more than 50 feet away. There's two ways to enter the store, front and back. Lots of emergency exits on the parking garage side. Luck would have it, a police officer had pulled someone over from the street and was in the front parking lot. By this point, I don't want the gentleman to go away. I want him caught. Everyone starts converging on the store. He's got nowhere to go. They walk to the station where my wife is surrounded by the store manager, several employees, and they have our baby behind the counter. The police officer had been alerted. Most security escorts both of them out of the store to me. We put them in our car and they drive straight to her mother's. They continue to search the store, every nook and cranny, 
He was never found. To this day, I remember every detail, but the detail that sticks with me the most, his eyes were coal black. I'm a 22-year-old female, and I used to be a cashier at Walmart. While this Walmart wasn't in a super sketchy area, Walmarts are just sketchy in general. When I worked there, from ages 18 to 21, I was in multiple areas. I was a cashier, customer service, and electronics, so I have plenty good Walmart stories besides creepy ones. This one, however, happened during the first few months there. At the time, I was just a cashier and hadn't cross-trained in other areas. It was a normal day and I was manning the self-checkout and basically just watching the clock. There was really nothing to do besides that unless you were called over by a customer or being yelled at by someone. Suddenly, a man came up to me. He looked to be in his late 40s to mid 50s and was pretty rough looking. All the self-checkouts were taken and he was the only straggler so I decided to ring his items out at my station and send him on his merry way. He only had a couple. I greeted him like I normally would and immediately he began to shower me with compliments. He said how pretty my smile was, how nice my voice was, and how it was a pleasure to meet another pretty woman. Of course, I was uncomfortable, but being a naive 18 year old, I just politely thanked him and continued the transaction. Then he started talking about all the ladies he had in his life, his many girlfriends. It went from that to, you could be one of those pretty ladies too. I'll treat you so nice, buy you anything you want, take you anywhere you want, you name it, I'll do it. I was silent out of shock and really creeped out. Again, this guy looked rough with a capital R. I know not to judge people, but this dude didn't look like what I imagined the sugar daddy would look like. Then he whipped out his phone. Let me show you pictures of my girls and how well they're taken care of. He then shifts to where he's beside me and shows me multiple photos of women. All of them posed on the bed in very provocative poses and revealing lingerie. He went on a tangent on how he could buy me nice things and how I could model it for him if I wanted to be one of his beauties. At this point, I wanted to throw up. I finally got some words out and said, Sir, this is really inappropriate. No thank you and have a nice day. He shrugged and then went to leave, but he just sat by the bench by one of the doors and just watched me for a while before he finally left. I called my manager over and explained the situation. She kind of yelled at me for a second, asking why I didn't call her over sooner but eventually just had to AP do a sweep of the parking lot to make sure he still wasn't there. Apparently, trafficking had started to become an issue in the area because of how close to the highway it is. AP ended up walking me to my car, but since nothing illegal happened, there wasn't much to make a police report on, so they weren't called. I don't know if this was a trafficking attempt or an attempt to coerce me into prostitution, but I never want to find out either way. I was working for the city of Fort Myers on March 23rd, 2007. Some wooded area across the street from us was being surveyed. When we came back from our lunch, we noticed a cop is there and she looks a bit disturbed and is calling for backup. She told us while we waited with her that the surveyor had called in and reported finding a skull. So she came to check it out and found two more. By the time everything was done, they had found eight victims. All killed the same way, 
all skeletons from the mid-90s. I think they have identified five now, but other than a person of interest, the murders are unsolved to this day. My manager is creepy. I'm a 16-year-old female, and I work at a retail store. My manager is in his late 50s. There have been many things to lead up to this point. I've seen him snort white powder on multiple occasions. I've asked him about it, and he says this is the anxiety medication. He calls me kiddo and trouble. He fist bumps me whenever I walk by and constantly asks me about my personal life. He has asked me how old I am multiple times. Yesterday, I went to go check out some stuff I needed. He rang me up. My wallet shows the top of my ID, so he looked at me and asked to see it. I didn't think and gave it to him. He looked at it for a good two minutes before saying, Ha, nice. I've told my family about it and they are scared that he might stalk me, considering he now knows my address. I'm beyond creeped out. My other coworker feels the same way too. I don't know what to do from here since the company doesn't have a corporate HR. When I was in high school, I worked a closing shift at a fast food restaurant five nights a week. There was this guy that came in a couple times and flirted with me, but I didn't pay him too much attention and just kept doing my job. One night after close, around 1am, I started walking home and I hear someone holler from behind me, Hey McDonald's girl. I ignored it and he hollered again, Hey McDonald's girl, and ran to catch up with me. It was the same guy. I was completely freaked out but didn't know what to do, so I just kept walking and he just kept walking with me. I tried to make polite small talk, but I was so scared. This was in the early 90s, so no cell phones to call for help. I didn't know what to do, so I just walked home. I turned off the street before mine. I have no idea if he continued to follow me undetected or not, but I rushed to my house and I never saw him again after that. When I told my mom what happened, she started dropping her car off for me after her work was over and eventually got herself a new car so I could have her old one. So I got a new car out of the deal. Well, new to me at least. I'm interested in crime-solving forensic TV shows. I worked in a hospital as a night charge nurse for years. I had a certain housekeeper that was male that was regularly assigned to my area. He was not particularly conscientious or good at his job. He often wore his work shirt unbuttoned with a dingy grayish hued white t-shirt underneath. He appeared to wear a hairpiece. He always seemed a bit off to me. He looked at everyone as if we could be insects he studied. I always treated him kindly, just as I tried to treat everyone. I would often notice him secretly watching and listening to conversations of myself and other staff members from behind doors, around corners. He just seemed to lurk everywhere. I once mentioned this to another staff member who worked in the labs down the hall, that he seemed like a serial killer to me and was spying on us constantly. The other staff member said, well first impressions are often correct. Once someone was talking about a negative girlfriend situation, and he went off saying how his girlfriend once made him so mad. Then his face contorted and demeanor seemed scary and super loud and menacing, barely able to control himself. 
One day he approached me and asked me if I would submit a positive review about his work to his supervisor so he could get a bonus. I said sure no problem. I submitted the positive review for him and he did get the bonus. My coworker asked how could I do that when he's barely mediocre. I replied I think he's a serial killer that just hasn't been found out yet so I know when he picks his next victim I've given him no reason to kill me. My story is not as scary, but it still weirded me out every night when I was working. I used to work night shifts at a small hotel, which was situated on the outskirts of the town I lived in. It was an old industrial site, but they had built a lot of new stuff there, and there were no longer any factories. The whole area was a bit shady, and got quite dark there as well. The whole setting was already a bit creepy. Our hotel was small and the staff changing rooms, showers, and toilets were situated basically in the basement. I hated to have to use those facilities since I always got an uneasy feeling every time I went down there. It's hard to explain but it's just an overall uncomfortable feeling. The toilets and showers were in the very back. To get to the toilet, I would have to pass the showers which had shower curtains on them. Every time I would go past them, I was sure that I would hear a rustling and weird quiet sniffling noises coming from the showers. Sometimes the water was running on one of the shower boots, even though nobody was taking a shower. I had to always open the shower curtains on my way to the toilets since I hated the fact that they were closed and anything could be behind them. It was always nerve-wracking to do so. Then I would run to the toilet as quick as I could and then run back upstairs. But every time I would go back downstairs, the curtains would be closed again, even though no one had been down there. It was generally creepy down there, and the more time I spent down there, the creepier it got. The feeling that something bad is going to happen if I spent more time down there than necessary. I tried to ask about this from my colleagues, but no one really knew anything about the building. But I was certainly not the only one that hated to use those bathrooms. I am happy I don't work there any longer. I could do my business in the toilet without rushing. I'm a female. Several years ago, I was about 19 and studying in college. During exam period, I would always go to the public library in the city center to study. They would have special places for students to study. This particular day, I had went there with a classmate. It was the weekend and I finished studying about 2 p.m. I asked my classmate if she would mind if I left. She said no, so I packed up my stuff and left the library. As I walked out of the library, I walked straight into the city center. As I left, I felt something brush up against me. Considering that I had just walked out of a quiet library into a crowded street, I brushed it off. I proceeded to walk through city center to get to my bus stop. After about 5 minutes of walking, I couldn't shake off the feeling that something was way too close to me. So I grabbed my phone, held it up, and looked against the screen to see if someone was behind me. And that's when I saw a man, about 40, walking behind me with his eyes set on me. I felt uncomfortable because he was giving me the weird vibes. He just looked off. He was walking with a limp while staring right at me. He was wearing a scarf with a suit jacket, really old track pants, and old gym shoes. I didn't think he was homeless or a junkie, but he was just weird. But to be safe, I put my phone in my bag and put my bag over my other shoulder, away from him. 
That's when he walked up to me and started walking next to me. At this point, I had been walking for about 10 minutes through busy streets. He kept his eyes on me and was walking close to me as if him and I were walking together. Once I almost made it to my bus stop, I saw my bus drive off. I didn't want to wait for another bus at that bus stop and have this man wait with me or know which bus I was taking. I decided to continue walking down to Central Station, which was about 8 minutes away. As I crossed the street, I noticed the man kept walking and didn't cross the street. I felt relieved and pulled out my phone to text my mom that some weirdo had been following me for about 15 minutes at that point. Not even a minute later, this man comes running out of the alleyway right in front of me. I almost tripped when I saw him, and he kept walking in front of me. Every 10 seconds, literally, I counted, he would abruptly turn his head and look back at me. I had even made a small Snapchat video of it. At this point, I was so nervous, but I was almost at the central station, so I just kept going. That's when he stopped, turned around, and started talking to me. I saw you at the library, he said. I didn't respond. We were together at the library, he repeated. Again, I ignored him. He didn't get the hint and kept talking. Hey, where are you going? Are you going to Central Station? I'm going there. I take the 312 bus. Which bus are you taking? At that point, I had enough. There were people walking by and nobody said anything. So I just ran to the Central Station and got on my bus. I sat behind the bus driver just in case the creep decided to run after me. I saw him looking around before getting on his bus. Once I was on the bus, I finally had a moment to think of what happened and realized that this man had been sitting there at the library watching me for hours and watching me leave and went after me. I remember feeling uneasy the whole time, but I ignored the feeling, thinking it was just my nerves before the exams that were coming up. This experience really made me uncomfortable because I had been coming to this library to study for years. Even in high school, I would study there till 9pm and leave by myself in the dark. I could only imagine what would have happened if I met him then. So psycho library stalker, let's not meet again. I'm a 27 year old female. I graduated from high school about 10 years ago. In my freshman year of high school, I was known to have a lot of friends. I was very friendly and every time I saw someone alone, I would greet them and offer them my friendship. Sometime during the year in my math class, we had a new guy. We'll call him Jose. Jose had recently moved to the US from Mexico and he hardly knew any English. Me being Hispanic, I was able to speak to him in Spanish and make him feel welcomed. Jose had no friends and always sat by himself. In math class, I started helping Jose a lot. He sat behind me and he would always play with my hair. I sort of felt like he had a crush on me and he was not bad looking, so I didn't look at it as a big deal. For a few months, two or three, he played with my hair. It became a norm. Towards the end of those months, he said that he wanted to play a game and asked me to write the things I loved most in my life. He would do the same and we could both share the papers. Of course, I wrote down my family, God, friends, and a whole bunch of other things. When I gave him back the list, he wanted specific names and he said he would do the same. I ended up writing my friends and family's names. One day, we were just hanging out in class and Jose said, Can I show you something? But you can't tell anyone or else you're going to pay for it. 
I was so confused and thought maybe he was going to ask me out. Jose pulled out a Ziploc bag and I couldn't really tell what was in the bag. It wasn't until he placed it on the table that I noticed it was a Ziploc bag full of hair. My hair. Jose pulled up his sleeve to show me his arms. He had about 10 heels from knife scars. Lines that he made with a blade that went down his arm. There was a fresh knife wound and he grabbed my hairs and placed them on top of the freshly opened wound from the night before and said, You are mine now. I know who you love, what you love. If you don't do as I say, you will pay for everything. Anything and everything that happens from now on. Think of me. My heart sank. He started smirking. I ran out of class crying. I ran to the office. Everyone was so confused. I asked to speak to the counselor immediately. I explained to her what had happened. Jose was pulled out of class, taken to the principal's office, and was expelled that day. I feared for my life. They found all these notes of other people in his backpack. Mine was there as well. They saw the scars and found my hair. I never heard of Jose again. I've had some pretty fucked up shit happen in my life after that, and I always think of Jose. I haven't talked about this in years, and I'm afraid that if I mention this, he will hear me, and bad is to follow. After that, I got so close to God, closer than ever. Until this day, I don't know if Jose was just messing with me, but I will tell you that after that encounter, I am no longer that super friendly and open-hearted person I once was. Back in high school, I went on an overnight trip for my art class. Before we had left for the trip, the teachers had assigned us our rooms with three other people to share with in a hotel that we were staying at. I lucked out and only had to share it with one other girl, who I didn't know very well. Let's call her Anna. Anna was the type of girl who never really talked in class, but when she did, it was always a weird comment under her breath. She always came to school wearing the same thing, a My Little Pony shirt and pajama pants. To be honest, I've never really seen her in any other outfit. Anyways, on the day of the trip, when we first checked into our hotel, before going out to dinner, we hung out in our room for a while. I tried to make a bit of a friendly conversation with her, but she didn't seem to respond much. But I did hear her talking to herself for a few minutes after our initial conversation. I couldn't make out what she was saying though. Later that day, I was in a group with Anna and two other students from my class. After visiting the first art installation, we headed our way to the next one. As we were walking down the sidewalk having a casual conversation, Anna turns to me and says, If you get ran over by a car right now, I'd laugh my head off. And then all went silent. I had no idea how to respond to this, so I just brushed it off with a laugh, as if it never happened. A few hours had passed and we had stopped because one of the students in our group had saw a friend that he knew and decided to talk with them. As Anna and I waited on the side as they talked, she seemed really angry. She was pacing and sighing intentionally loud as if she was in a rush or something. She looked at me with the creepiest glare and said, I wish I could just throw myself off this balcony. Maybe then we would get somewhere and continued to pace around. At this point, I was very uncomfortable about being around her, so I tried to stick near the others for the rest of the time we spent out. Nearing the end of our trip, the two other students in the group decided to branch off and go to another exhibit while Anna and I met back at the hotel. We both got back on the bus and I sat near the back and she followed me. 
I was hoping to have a little bit of space, but she decided to sit right next to me. A few minutes passed, and I noticed she looked at me for a good while without saying anything, until she suddenly whispered to me, I really need to tell you a secret, but I want to wait until we get back to our room. At this point, I nodded and scooted away from her a little, towards the next seat, dreading when we got back to the hotel. When we got into our room, I headed straight to the bathroom to avoid talking to her, but she stopped me at the door, putting her arms out so I couldn't pass her. I want to tell you what I was going to say on the bus, she whispered to me. I felt a bad feeling in my stomach and awaited her next line. She leaned in closer and said, Well, when we were on the bus, I wanted to tell you that my nipples were tingling a lot. It wouldn't stop, and it's still happening now. After she said that, I pushed past her into the bathroom and locked the door behind me. I was super freaked out and disturbed by her, so I hid in there for 30 minutes until she went to sleep. When I went to bed, I put a wall of pillows so she couldn't see me, and to be honest, I was up for a while shaking and wanting to leave the room. The next day when it was time to go home, I avoided her as much as possible, and thank god I never really saw much of her after that. Okay, so buckle up because this is gonna get weird. This isn't something unknown amongst my friends and the people local to me, as I live in quite a small town. So in ninth grade, I would have been around 13 or 14. I had no friends. I was and still am kind of weird and it threw people off. Making friends in high school was difficult for me because I refused to change who I am just to fit in. During the second week of school, I met George in my English class. Our teacher had sat us together, so we began talking and building a friendship. George was very nice and we had a lot in common. He had came from a different elementary school. It was odd because the people from his elementary commonly went to a different high school. Although he insisted that he wanted to go to this high school because there were certain classes he wanted to take that the other school didn't offer. After about a week of talking together during English, he asked if I wanted to eat lunch with him. We had the same lunch period, and he said how he noticed how often I sat alone. I thought it was a nice gesture, so I agreed. We ended up having lunch together for a while, but then I started making some new friends. I always invited him to eat lunch with a few of the friends I had made, but he always declined. Then one day in English class, he passed me a note. This was very strange since we were sitting right next to each other. The note said something like, I need to talk to you. Can we please sit alone together for lunch? I wrote back that I would sit with him, and we hardly spoke for the rest of the period. I got a really strange vibe from him. So at lunchtime, I see him sitting at the end of the row. Our cafeteria consisted of a large harvest tables and benches. It was not separate chairs and tables like you see in restaurants, but rather a long, long table with benches on either side. I go to sit down, he says. No, let's go outside to talk. So I agree. He looked generally upset and I wanted to know what was going on. When we got outside, he led me over to sit on the curb in front of the school and started talking very aggressively. He told me that it was unfair of me to make other friends when he was the one who befriended me first. He told me I had to eat lunch with him because when I was alone, he ate lunch with me. So now that he was alone, I was obligated to eat with him. It was a very bizarre conversation. I explained that he could sit with me and my friends and that there wouldn't be any issues 
and that he could make some new friends. I told him I had enough friendship to spread around and that he had nothing to be upset about. What he said next completely shocked me. I could see the anger in his eyes. He grabbed my arm and said, I don't think you understand. You owe me this. You will sit with me. I got completely freaked out at that point and told him we could sit alone together every other day. I just wanted to get away from him and go back inside where more people were around. After that day, I started getting weird messages to my email. I never forgot the first email I was sent. It said, All women are Satan. The devil lives in you all. I didn't recognize the address and assumed it was just an internet troll trying to scare me. Then they started coming more frequently, all with the same message. Women are the devil. Satan lives in all women. I started getting scared, so I showed my friends these emails. They agreed it was weird, but also agreed that it was probably a random person trying to scare people. But my one friend Stacy told me that she thought it was George. She told me that she heard stories about why he came to our school instead of the high school that his 8th grade graduating class was going to. She told me that he was so obsessed with one of the girls in the class that her mom actually got a restraining order against him over that summer. I told her it sounded insane and I didn't believe it. I was still having lunch with George on alternate days and we were still friendly during English class, but I really wanted to distance myself from him. After Christmas break, our schedules changed for the second semester. I was honestly very happy about this because I knew I'd have a different lunch period than George and we wouldn't have English together anymore. I could slowly disassociate myself from him, but I was wrong. He started leaving me notes in my locker, confessing his undying love and explaining that we were meant to take the world over together, which at the time I thought was a very nice thing for him to say, but the feelings were not mutual. Eventually, I had to tell him that enough was enough. I explained that he was overwhelming me and that I needed a little space for my friendship. He seemed to understand. He didn't get upset or yell. He just agreed to give me space, which lasted about two days before the emails started getting worse. He started threatening my life, telling me that he knew where I lived and went to school. I went straight to my mom when this started happening. I know I should have done it sooner. My mom called the police and the police informed the school. The school was able to look up the emails and their records and found out that it was George sending the nasty emails all along. George was suspended and wouldn't even look at me anymore. I was honestly relieved. One year later, after we graduated high school, George and his mother went for a drive. While she was driving, he stabbed her over a hundred times. He had a psychotic break. When police found him, he tried saying it was a car accident, but when they questioned him about the stab wounds, he admitted to killing her and trying to release the devil from his mother's soul. He pled insanity over the murder of his mother. He was eventually found not criminally responsible for her murder. So lately, I've been talking to my friend about stuff and we've been realizing how weird our school was. One story I have is perfect for the subreddit. So I was in my first or second year of high school. Our school was mainly populated by kids from tough backgrounds, poverty, homelessness, neglect of parents. So about once a quarter, our school would do something called potlatch, 
where teachers and students could essentially donate things that any of the students could grab and take home, be it clothes, bedding, books, little knickknacks, whatever. What you need to know for this story, though, is how everyone got super hyped for the potlatch and would fill the main hall to see what there was, even if they weren't planning on taking anything. Our school also liked to invite representatives from different companies and organizations to hand out different flyers for whatever they worked for. Since a lot of kids were looking for opportunities to make money to either support themselves or their families. During one potlatch, this one guy, he was super nice, was handing out flyers for a gig that was too good to be true. The thing is, as I know now, something that's too good to be true usually is. Basically, they said they get to fly out to Seattle to live in an apartment that they owned, rent free, and all you had to do was be a door-to-door salesman for them, and they would pay you like $15 an hour. Some of you reading this probably already noticed the red flags, but we were dumb teenagers, and like the school invited them, we figured that the school wouldn't bring in something sketchy like that. I had just quit my job, and so this offer seemed awesome for the summer or something. However, almost immediately in the next period, we got an announcement basically telling us to throw away any flyers and not to, under any circumstances, call them. For those who didn't notice the red flags earlier, these guys were using common sex trafficking tactics. Basically, they offer a job that seems amazing, and if you bite, Instead of sending you where they said they were, they would kidnap you and sell you. After doing minimal research, I found that the company that they were fronting was already a known sex trafficking front, and our school just invited them into the space with gullible teenagers. When I was 8 years old, I would walk a half a mile to school every day. Several times on my walk, a man would approach me and tell me how much God loved me and would ask me about taking Jesus into my heart. The guy gave me the creeps, but I was always polite since he was a grown-up. One day, he asked me for a hug, and that was it for me. I ran home and told my mom about the guy. Needless to say, I was driven to school after that. A few months later, a girl at my school was molested by that guy. He was a minister at her church. I went to a Catholic school in the 2000s and we had this gym teacher named Coach Ricky. Now thinking back on everything, there were some giant red flags with this guy, but as a kid you don't notice these things. First red flag, you keep the boys and girls separated. All the other gym teachers never did that. Second red flag, he would pay more attention to the girls and practically ignore the guys. He would also get very angry if he saw one of the girls talking to one of the boys and that was the only time he would ever actually acknowledge the boys. He would also be adamant that the girls had to be exercising. Meanwhile, the boys could just sit around doing literally nothing. But if one of the girls was to sit down, even for a second, he would get really angry. I remember when I was diagnosed with a heart murmur, and the doctor told me I couldn't exercise because of it. And when I told him that, he seemed irrationally irritated that I couldn't exercise anymore. So we left for Thanksgiving break and come back and the guy is just gone and when you would ask about him, they would act like they didn't know who you were talking about. So I asked my favorite teacher about it and she finally told me what happened. He apparently got caught watching the girls undress in the changing room 
and there was a rumor that he had tons of videos on it on his phone. My teacher didn't even know the whole story because my school kept it from the teachers and they didn't know whether or not the police were called because you never saw anything in the newspaper. I live in a small town so that would have definitely been a scandal. To this day I kind of wonder if he ever got anything of me. It makes my skin crawl thinking about it. I hope that bastard is in jail for what he did. So my sister, who was 14 at the time, was walking home from our local primary school with our German Shepherd. She starts noticing a black car doing laps, but assumes it's just a parent. She then, after a while, notices a man getting out of the car and getting into a white SUV and driving up the road closest to the side of the oval where she was. My sister starts getting a little creeped out, but walked around the other side and didn't think much of it still thinking it's apparent. Maybe about 15 minutes of the cars doing laps, she realizes that the two cars are parked on the two easiest streets to leave. My sister didn't bring her phone with her, and at this point, she was crying because there's two older men following her around to school and she can't contact anyone. She luckily finds a teacher and manages to contact my parents, who come to pick her up. As soon as my parents get there, the two cars take off speeding in opposite directions before any number plates could be recorded. I hate to think what could have happened if she didn't have her dog with her and didn't notice. When I was in high school, a friend of mine would walk to my house in the morning and walk to school with me. After school, we would wait for each other to finish our after school activities and then walk home together. One day in our sophomore year, he had to get home as soon as he could because he had to babysit his sister. My house was only a few blocks away, so I told him no problem. It was the first time he didn't walk with me all the way to my house. I noticed an SUV while him and I were saying goodbye because they slowed down while driving. My first thought was to go to his house until his mom got home. I shook off the feeling and decided that he slowed down because we were next to a park. I walked down the road by myself and the SUV drove by again, slowing down a lot. I bolted down a dirt road into a place with construction workers building a house. The SUV turned around and began slowly driving on the dirt road. The construction worker closest to me could have passed off as my dad. I told him what was up and he took me inside the house. He took out a notebook and jotted down the license plate number as the man slowly drove by, staring into the house. The construction worker walked me home after a half hour or so, and he called the police to report it. Never told my mom, only ever told my friend about it. He didn't let me walk the rest of the way home alone again for the rest of our walking days. I never brush off my gut feelings anymore. I was about 8 years old and at the exit of my school, all the kids wait for their parents. I was waiting for my babysitter who would always pick me up about 5.30pm. I was a bit confused as my babysitter wasn't there. She was never late. But I did not panic, just kept patiently waiting. Suddenly, a woman in her 40s, long curly brown hair with a disturbing smile expression came up from a group of parents and said to me, Your mother sent me to pick you up. She clearly saw my confused face and thought I was an easy catch. I had never seen her in my life 
And if such thing happened that she was picking me up, my mother would have let me know. All those thoughts passed through an eight-year-old's head in a few seconds. I responded, moving my head to the side in denial. She never stopped staring at me with that psycho expression and repeated the same thing. This time, slightly approaching me, ready to take my arm. Looking over her shoulder and other parents in the entrance, I noticed a black van parked, which I'd never seen before. I was always well aware of the cars that parked there, because once I saw a Lambo, and we were all waiting to see it again. At that age, I already realized that her tensions were not good, and that the situation was way too strange. I didn't move an inch and said, no, again in a calm voice. The woman knew that she wouldn't be successful in her try. She knew that she couldn't take me by force because of all the other parents and some teachers were around. She didn't say another word. She took her eyes off of me and just stood there, looking for another child. A few minutes later, my babysitter arrived and I told her. She was very surprised and pissed, but she didn't alert to school. At the time, I just thought about going home, but now, 16 years later, I think we should have told the school. I was aware of kids being kidnapped in my neighborhood, so I knew this could happen. I will never forget how that woman looked, and I hope that nothing ever happened to any of the kids at that school. I just rediscovered the subreddit, so I thought that I'd post a creepy encounter that one of my friends recently reminded me of. This creepy encounter was kind of prolonged and got especially creepy at the end. I was a fairly awkward and introverted teenage girl, so my high school guidance counselor encouraged me to take the theater elective in 10th grade to help me come out of my shell. The class was terrible and miserable. I hated every single second of it, but it did more than just take me out of my comfort zone. It introduced me to a really weird guy. I wouldn't say that I really thought this guy was a creep from the beginning. He had a fairly obvious crush on me, but he wasn't too weird about it. He wrote me the occasional note and asked me to one school dance. I told him no, and he took the rejection fairly well. He still tried to talk to me all the time, but he eventually started dating someone else and then left me alone. I assumed that the relationship lasted through 11th grade as I only saw him occasionally and he never tried to talk to me. I went to the 12th grade homecoming dance with a group of my friends and we actually spent a good portion of the night dancing and really enjoying ourselves. At one point, we sat down to rest and have a snack. The guy from the 10th grade theater class came over to me and sat at our table. He seemed upset and actually started crying, so I asked him if he was okay. He told me that his girlfriend had just dumped him, and I responded that that's pretty shitty of her to do at a high school dance. I guess he took this as me making a move on him because he immediately grabbed my arm, yanked me up from the table, and pulled me to a fairly secluded corner. He was immediately in my personal space, asking me if I would be his new date. I tried to push him away, but he had a pretty firm grip on me, and then tried to go in for the kiss. I was in total shock that this happened, and kind of froze. Luckily, one of my friends swooped in and told him that I was her date, so he should back off. He spent the rest of the evening dancing fairly close to us, but he luckily didn't say anything. Flash forward to the rest of 12th grade. 
I didn't have a class with him, but his locker was fairly close to mine, so I unfortunately saw him a lot. He stared at me a lot, but he didn't say much to me until right before graduation. He asked to sign my yearbook. I was afraid that he would say something weird in it, so I told him no. I did wish him good luck in life. He responded that I was what he would miss the most about high school. I kind of forgot that he existed until about three and a half years later. I was in college and got a message from someone asking me if I knew him and when we had last spoken. Apparently, she was his girlfriend. I had told her that we had gone to high school together and hadn't spoken to him since we graduated. She asked me why he talked about me all the time. I told her honestly I had no idea because we weren't even friends on social media. Then she asked me why she found my first and last name in his wallet. I was incredibly confused by this and asked her what she meant. She told me that she was going through his wallet and she found my first and last name on a piece of paper. She said he said that I must have stuck it in his wallet as a joke when we were hanging out, which obviously never happened. I think she was expecting me to confess that he was cheating with me or something, but all it did was freak me the fuck out. I found him on social media and blocked him, then blocked her too for good measure. Luckily, I haven't heard from him since, and this was about 11 years ago, but I have to wonder why he had my name in his wallet. As a side note, he was on the local news just a week or so later because his dad met someone online and then locked her in the basement for a weekend. He was defending his dad and calling the woman a liar. I'm pretty sure that his dad wound up in prison for kidnapping and criminal confinement, so the apple didn't fall too far from the creep tree. So another post reminded me of this man. I'm a female. When I was in high school, I was always in advanced math, which meant calculus 1, calculus 2, and other math classes, but I don't remember the subject. So for all three years of high school, I had this man as a teacher. If a female had a question, he would sit as close as possible, as in thigh touching thigh, with his hand on their neck. If a male had a question, he bent over the top of their desk, not touching at all. This creeped me out. At the time, 1990s, there had been a satanic panic in the United States where a bunch of kid educators were fired for rumors. At this time, everything was bouncing back so that the educator was now automatically believed over any child. As I said, I was 15 or 16 when I first met him and 18 when I had my last class with him. I don't know what prompted me to tell my mom about this man's inappropriateness. I just knew I had to tell someone because he was super creepy. I will never forget my mom's reaction. Don't you ever say that about him. He's a good man who lives with his elderly mother and volunteers to teach migrant farmers children. I learned that my mother would believe an adult pedophile over her daughter. I never shared any of my feelings about strange kids or adults ever again. To be honest, this grown-ass man had too much control over a bunch of kids who may not have spoken English very well. And the fact that he never dated or moved away from his mom creeped me the hell out. I never heard of him actually touching a kid, but I also wouldn't be surprised. 
When I was in seventh grade, I had an older English teacher whom my parents worked with a long time ago. So at first, I thought that was pretty cool and I was super friendly with him. For my first year, he'd always bring me candy, give me extra work when I asked for it. I like to study so I'm not nervous about exams. He would let me and my friends have lunch with him in the classroom. After a while of this, my friends started teasing me saying that I had a crush on him. They would do that joke a lot in class. I don't know if he heard because he started being even more friendly. I told my friends to stop but they were very toxic so they didn't listen. One winter night it was really dark outside and my dad had a very important meeting so he had to pick me up about 5pm. I didn't take that bus that day because I went to after school activities and music. So I was just sitting there on the bench by the door playing some game on my phone. He came out of the nearby hallway and said, Hey, why are you at school so late? Because of my friends teasing me, I didn't want to talk to him, so I just said that I was waiting for my dad. Then he proceeded to offer me a ride home, since it was obviously getting late. I said no, and he kept insisting. I got annoyed and he eventually left. I did tell my dad, and he was just glad I didn't accept. After that, he stopped being nice to me and just became very cold. I didn't care though, and the next year, I didn't see him again. I don't know if that was creepy or not, but it generally made me feel like he was grooming me. Plus, I was only 12, I'm 16 now, and I don't know if I was being weird because of my friends or if he was actually creepy. I recently saw a post on TikTok that made me think back to this creepy male sub I had in middle school. I was 12 or 13 at the time and attending class with one other kid. It was a computer class and we sat on opposite sides of the rows of computers. This young male substitute teacher was helping the other kid and when he was done he asked me if I needed help with anything. I politely said no because I knew what I was doing at the moment. He didn't like the answer and insisted that he should come help me. I kept declining and let him know that the other kid needs his help. He ignored me and sat down next to me. He sat so close that his thigh touched mine. I kept inching away from him but he kept moving closer. This went on for 45 minutes until the bell rang. At the end of class it was my teacher's policy that we get candy if we passed all the tests that day. I hadn't passed any due to the lack of focus on my work because of the creeper touching my thigh. Anyway, he let the kid, male student, have candy for his past test, then offered me some. I informed him that I hadn't passed any tests, so I didn't get any. He said he wouldn't tell if I did and kept insisting that I wanted candy. The other student had already left. So to avoid being alone with him, I took my shot and ran out of the room when some kids were passing. I later told a teacher I trusted whose classroom was down the hallway. He had already had his eye on the sub and walked me to and from class in that hall for the whole week the sub was there. Thankfully never had that sub in my class again. Writing about my old poetry teacher it reminded me of all the weird interactions I've had with teachers growing up. This one is probably the creepiest 
which is why I probably blocked it out of my memory for so long. The memories are a little fuzzy, honestly. When I was in second or third grade, my music teacher went on maternity leave, so we had a sub for a semester. He was a large man, but kind of had a gentle giant vibe, or that's what my kid brain called it. I loved his classes. He talked about how music can make us feel and affect emotions. I always raised my hand when he asked questions or wanted a volunteer. I remember there was a turning point, but I don't remember what it was. I remember that he started singling me out. He would talk to me before class as everyone was sitting down. He would pick me every time I raised my hand to pass out papers. He always picked me first when questions were asked. As a kid, I loved the attention. My older sisters are triplets, so his attention made me feel special, even though I wasn't a multiple. We would always walk together during fire alarms, or when we walked down the hall. I was always the last person so he could walk beside me and talk. I started talking about him to my mom. I remember she was weirded out by it, but he never touched me, and he wasn't going to be there forever, so she just kept an eye on the situation. Eventually, I started getting weirded out by it. I was picked to pass out papers, and all my classmates groaned. One even said, You only ever pick her. No one else gets to pass out papers. And that's when I started getting uncomfortable. I really was the only person he picked or talked to directly. I stopped raising my hand, and he would still pick me. I stopped answering questions, but he would still ask me first. I wouldn't openly talk when he walked beside me between classes either. For a while, I thought he was paying attention to me because my dad had a well-known music store in the area and it had been a staple of the city for more than 100 years. But he never asked me about my dad or his business. Eventually, my mother had enough and talked to the main teacher. She told her that he needed to back off and that his attention made me and her uncomfortable. But he didn't stop. If anything, I remember him making more of an effort to talk to me. He would ask me if I could hear music and the fire alarms, and he said that maybe I was uncomfortable because I wasn't used to being special. He hugged me after the last one, and I just stood stock still until he let me go. Eventually, it was Christmas, and he was going to be gone after the Christmas play. I'd done everything to distance myself from him, but nothing worked. I was relieved that I wouldn't see him after Christmas break. At the end of the play, he came and introduced himself to my parents. He told them how special I was and that I was amazing and a helpful student. He offered to tutor me privately. Obviously, my mother said no, but my dad didn't think anything of it and just thought he was a nice guy. Seeing as my dad is also creepy, it makes sense now that he saw nothing wrong with the man's behavior. For a good five years after that, he would write me letters and send me Christmas cards. He would ask to see me, or for me to write back. I still don't know how he had my address. My mom used to open them and read them, but something about them eventually made her start throwing them away as soon as we got them. Then after a year of no responses, he stopped writing. Now that I'm older, I realize that I'm probably too old for him to be interested anymore. I don't remember his name, but I remember his face and creepy hug.
I was an 18-year-old female at the time and a first-year college student working full-time and taking 18 units of college classes. My parents paid all my school expenses and they did not want me to work. They hoped that I would just concentrate on my studies, but I worked anyway. So I'd go to school all day, go directly to Taco Bell afterwards, then go over to my boyfriend's house for a couple hours, then home. I was young and energetic and able to keep up with my schedule. So one night around 10 p.m., the rest of the restaurant employees were already gone and I closed and worked alone for the last couple hours. A tall, large black man came to the window and asked what the cheapest menu item was. He ordered it. I took his money, closed the little window, made change, and then handed him his food, then closed the little window. It was at that time that I noticed on one of his hands, his left, all his fingernails were at least an inch past his fingertips and filed into sharp pointy claws. I thought to myself, that was odd, but whatever. He then asked if I could make change for a $5 bill so that he could have exact change for the bus. I opened the window, took the $5 bill, and then turned to the cash register on my left, about 18 inches away making change. I hear something and look back and this guy's head is coming through the window, followed by his arms and shoulders, and he's grabbing and clawing at me. I think he was trying to reach around me to get the cash in the register, but when he grabbed me, I thought he was coming in to assault me. Now in hindsight, I could have done a bunch of effective things to drive him back. Instead, I was screaming and started pummeling his face with my fists. I had brothers. I fought him off, grabbed the paper bills out of his hand, and drove him back through the window and shut it. I missed hitting him a couple times and hit the edge of the counter with my palms. I got big bruises from that. He ran off. I called the police and then called the owner of the restaurant. The police came and I made a report. The owner didn't want any press and was upset that I called the police. So a couple days later, I'm in a chemistry lecture, which is in a small amphitheater of maybe 150 students. The lecture is about to start and this guy sitting next to me on the right drops his calculator on the floor right in front of me. I kindly say, I'll get it for you. I pick it off the floor and hand it back to him, right into his open left hand with long cloth fingernails. Cue my racing heartbeat. I pretended not to know that he was the guy that robbed me and assaulted me. Coincidence? Not likely. As soon as class ended, I raced past five or six people to my left, practically flew right over them, and once I get to the main aisle, I look back at him. He raised his arms with a clawing motion towards me and growled at me. As he was in pursuit of me, I took off out of there. The next time I went to that class, he tried to sit close to me again to intimidate me, and it was working. I decided to call the police from home that afternoon and explain the situation. The guy seemed to be following me around the campus, and it scared me. I don't know if he followed me from school to my workplace to attack me there. They were many miles apart. The police had an undercover watch me at school before chemistry so I could point out my stalker. I had to tell my professor the situation of why I had people watching over me. The plan was to sit in the grass outside my chemistry class and when I saw the guy, I would give a nod and walk into my class. 
He didn't show up the first stakeout day, but did the second day. They arrested him. Now, the restaurant owner dropped the robbery charges as he didn't lose anything and didn't want the press. Nobody asked me, and I was the one attacked. The police told me that they warned him never to look at me or talk to me ever again if we ran into each other. They will arrest him if he keeps it up. I never saw him again. He dropped the class. My professor gave me a B even though I never got better than a D on the test. He had a lengthy rationalization of why I deserved it, but I know he felt sorry for me. Fortunately, that helped because I was awful at chemistry, stalker or not. I gave my two weeks notice at the restaurant and every remaining night I worked, my parents would sit at an outdoor table and play cards until I left for home safely.